on the Tim Miner podcast show today, we've got our friend Gary House, running coach, and the owner and founder of the House Running Club. Gary, thanks for coming on, mate. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to see you. Tell me how you first, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, how did you first get into running? Uh, because I've been asked that question before, it's kind of evolved. Has it? <laughs> yeah, because I had to think back. And so the first early memory of running was like primary school. And it's very quite small primary school to the point where in my last year, I was the only lad because the other lad left. So it was me, six other girls. Sports day, I cleared up. <laughs> so... I went into high school with this kind of inflated ego, I guess, that I was good good at sport. And then you get thrown into high school and it's genetics based, isn't it? So like the geeky science kid is winning the 100 meters and all that stuff. And I wasn't. So it was a bit of a wake up call. But what I was good at was the longer stuff. And I think it was still only because people like the cool kids didn't really want to do the cross country, but I just saw it as a way of a day off school. So yeah, the earliest proper memory of like a race was high school and thinking if I get top five, it was at the time, I get a day off school to go to the next competition. <laughs> I think I finished fourth, just about. And that was the first time I raced properly. When, well, when, race when, properly. when you did it like, was it more of a feeling than actually doing it? Yeah, I mean, like even in that one in primary school, like I can still remember now, there was lads in the year below. Yeah, so I'm talking like age nine or whatever. Hmm. But I wrote out on a piece of paper, like a little game plan for me to win. So these two lads had to start either end of the line and cross over, like block everyone. That's like, I was 10. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's only when I think back to that. So there was, there was that point. Then in high school, when I finished fourth in this race and I got a day off, that was the first time where I wasn't average because I was lucky in the fact that my year in football was very good. We had play play at Liverpool, Aston Villa, Everton. We were winning like Welsh trophies yeah. at age 13, 14. I was in that squad, but I was average, bang average footballer. Whereas when I went to run, I was a bit better than average, I guess. So again, I'd link it back to that. In that same high school, my PE teacher, I was like trying all kinds of sports, football, hockey, all sorts. The, the teacher I had, PE teacher, because I was typical, loved PE, enjoyed English, hated everything else. And then <laughs> I just remember he said, you're built like a, you're built like a distance runner. Because I was trying to play rugby and football and stuff but there was nothing of me. He just said, you're built like a distance runner, go and run. And it wasn't only until years later I remembered that. And I think those little bits spurred me on. Um, so that was like kind of a significant point where the, a teacher's kind of give you that belief in yourself to say, look, this is what Not you... at the time. Yeah. I just dismissed it because I was a footballer. I was playing football yeah. every night. Well, not every night, most nights. And then, yeah, I left, I left running... Because like I say, I have to think back to those points and I think they're important now, but at yeah. the time they were just dismissed because I played football. I was football with the lads all the way through high school. Uh, 
to the point where I was naturally good at hockey, like field hockey, had a Welsh trial and everything, didn't even go because I went to the pub with my mates. And that was like 16 kind of thing. Because yeah. it was the football lads playing football, 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 till I reached the age of 19. Um, and I moved from the little village in North Wales to Manchester. And then that's when running started properly then. How did it start properly for you? Yeah, well, that's the kind of proper story is, like I say, I haven't ran then for five years. Went to the odd cross-country stuff for school, but it was for a day off. Wasn't interested in running. It was football. And I was at 19 playing football, Saturday, Sunday league, but I was going out, drinking with the lads, and then turning to like partying clubs and stuff. So it was just getting bit chaotic drinking partying football four nights a week what at the time what were you thinking of doing as a profession then what was your at that time like when i went to like i finished high school and just about scraped a couple of gcse's enough to go to college and stuff but i was always seen as bright yeah but again like at high school just wasn't interested like yeah. the first time i made people laugh or the first time i had an argument with a teacher that's all i spent my time doing yeah wasn't interested the joker yeah yeah and again like looking back the teachers stood no chance because i'd <laughs> i didn't know it at the time but i had a knack of like the whole class would be laughing yeah so i was just a dick which basically. is pretty much what you do on your instagram and tiktok right now well, i have to have some kind of outlet for it, <laughs> <laughs> the wife and kids don't laugh <laughs> and i don't work in a team anymore so that's yeah. how that started but uh moved to manchester because i was just failing really at life because I was job to job, I was working in bars, and I and I loved working in bars, but I didn't want to be working in bars when I was thirty. I was subconsciously a bit scared that I was going to be like I knew the lads that were thirty in my town because it's a small town, and I'd be out drinking with them at the age of nineteen, twenty. You could see where life was heading, and through working at bars, I got friendly with a guy who was a hairdresser in Chester. And one day we got drunk. He was in the bar and he said, come and work for me. And that was it. <laughs> Started hairdressing from working in like, it's been on the telly as like the toughest pub in Wales or something. On the Monday morning, started working as a hairdresser. He bypassed all the brushing up the floors and everything. And I was learning on the job straight away and loved it. It was random, isn't it? It was random, yeah. And I didn't tell the footy lads for like six months. Yeah. And it was only... I was working in like a Tony and Guy in Chester and uh, obviously they found out kind of thing. <laughs> I remember telling them on the... How did that go down? I can't remember how they found out, but we were in the Sunday League changing rooms. Yeah. And it was just, I, I loved that atmosphere, the, the banter of it, taking the piss out of each other. Yeah. So it was just another thing. It yeah. was far less yeah. hassle than just got the piss talk out of me. But then I was single at the time and on Thursday, some of them worked in Chester. So on a Thursday night, I just remember like some of the girls in this hairdresser would be like, Gary, coming out for a drink. And then obviously they're like, <laughs> all of a sudden it was, oh, there's, a, there's, a, yeah. there's some upsides to this as well. So when you're doing your hairdressing, you was living in Manchester, were you? No, Chester, that was, I was still at home in Chester. Well, in North Wales, but working in Chester. Right. And then I moved to Manchester, a bit of a mix of still trying out the hairdressing. And it was just tough because you're 20 and you're not earning anything. Yeah. But at the same time, I was working in bars and I worked in a cocktail bar in the evening. And, and yeah, it's just earning 
too much money doing that compared to the other thing. So you just got into running just to get back into fitness? Yeah, that's like that sets up where like I moved to Manchester. I li- literally told my mum like I'm moving to Manchester next week. I've got a job in a new salon in South Manchester, and that was that was I was thinking about going to the city kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> Manchester, big city compared to where I was from, and it just uh, it was just hard because well, it wasn't hard the job, but again, I wasn't getting paid anything really couldn't really support myself even like the rent was my wages so I had to get the second job and then the money from the second job was going out partying with my new friends but they weren't really friends they were just workmates yeah so then I've always loved sport and everything but I've gone from being out with the lads four times a week and being in that environment to being in like a shared house six other people four different cultures different parts of the world and I didn't have uh, enough money to join a gym, didn't know anyone to join a football club, so I just started running down the canals, and that was it. I used my, like, my football astroturf trainers. I used to look at the clock on the way out, and then if I wanted to run longer, I would try and aim to it to be longer when I came back in, and if I wanted to run faster, I'd try and get the clock to be sooner when I came back in, and that was it. First couple of goes, absolute dog shit, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I thought I was fit, because it was 20... Yeah. Odd. Played football all the time, but I wasn't fit. I was just young. Whereas when you run, you can't really hide <laughs> any fitness, can you? Uh, so yeah, that was it. I was kind of, and again, I was going for, like 30 minutes would be an hour, an hour would be two hours, going for these ridiculous long runs. But I think some of it was because I didn't want to be in that house. Yeah. Although I was like, when I was with my friends and with the people I knew, I was like how you probably know me kind of thing, quite comfortable, but like, yeah, it's just completely new to me. Didn't know anyone. And I was kind of just avoiding being in the house and didn't have any money. So that was when running Your started. Your outlet, right? Yeah. So and it's almost like a sort of a mental health sort of meditation for yourself. A little you bit. Kinda... Yeah, it was just something completely new. I was exploring the area. I was in my head getting fitter, yeah. And, and yeah, didn't really have anything else to do because... I had to make, I always needed an excuse not to go out the weekend because the others were further ahead. They had money to spare. Yeah. yeah. Didn't have any money. So it's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going for this running or anything. But so the, and in that, I was then buying books. So, and they would. To run better. Not, not at first. It was more like story based, like, like typical, like born to run and all this kind right. of stuff. Yeah. So I was really getting into this running is quite interesting. And I'd never been a reader either but, but this just caught my attention and I had the time as well so so yeah running was either so I've got a mixture of worlds almost I'm working and partying and but I was still going home a lot of the weekends because my mates were going clubbing so I'd still go clubbing yeah and again that was it was just and because I would always do stuff to an excess there came a point where it was like can't keep both up because I'm going out partying three nights a week and I'm trying to build a career yeah. I thought at the time and I'm a runner. So it was just too much. What did did you get emotionally connected to Born to Run the book? No. No. Just enjoyed the story. Did you? What I did I know I know like people say it was like a turning point in their life and yeah, all like this a kind cathartic of, moment yeah, exactly. or something. Like I was twenty. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have like at nineteen, um, 
Like part of the reason why I went to Manchester is because at 19 I found out I was adopted. Right. That was the first time I found out. And it was like a random series of events. And and that kind of... How did that affect you? At the time... Did you find out yourself or did um, your adopted mum tell you? Yeah, so my mum had to tell me. But... uh, So I was going to a stag do in Ibiza. And... I'd been on a few other holidays, lost two passports. And at the time, if you needed a three within a certain amount of time, I had to go for an interview. Yeah. So I had to go to this interview in Liverpool. And to have it, I needed my original birth certificate, which I'd never seen, never questioned it or anything. So I had to take this to get this new passport. And, that's, and then, whereas like 19 years beforehand, my mum and dad had made the decision not to tell us. And then she's been forced into this position. So she she's breaking down and so that event in hindsight again was a good thing but for a couple of years it was like could have gone one way or the other yeah so as people say they're running away from things don't they (laughs) when they start running and moving to manchester have you thought about this a lot like that you know when you when you were running on the canal that you know in the that moment you didn't realize but looking back on it were you potentially that's the reason you yeah, took up. Yeah, only because I'm a bit older. It's like 20, yeah, yeah. nearly 20 years ago and it's like a bit wiser and yeah. learnt more stuff and done self-development. So you basically did a Forrest Gump, what he did, because he just started running to A little bit, up, yeah. And I try and think of it as like I was running towards stuff rather than yeah. away from stuff because like, like seeing my mum break down on that day, that's the worst thing I've seen. Not, not me being adopted. For me, that was fine because I didn't know anything different. I've got, a, I've got a younger brother who's blonde, six foot two. Never questioned it. He was adopted as well. And like, but then, then you start to think of other things. Well, like, I'd never really thought of kids, but then my kids are the only two blood relatives I'll ever meet or have ever met. So you start thinking of all that kind of stuff. Have you thought about going into your DNA and looking for your biological mum? No, I just haven't. Like my wife Charlotte's like at first she used to push it a little bit more, not yeah. go and do it, but what's the reason for you not that you kinda just, just respect for your adopted mum? There is that, yeah. Like my mum and dad split up when we were thirteen, fourteen, and it wasn't a great break up. Yeah. And then by the age of eighteen, like like it came into like not blows from a dad, but yeah. we had a bit of a rumble on the floor and stuff and we haven't really spoke since. I think we spoke once or twice since. So I didn't have that father figure from 14 and again this is all hindsight yeah 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 so but by 1920 like i say i was i was happy because i got this group of mates like mates had and they're still a great group of mates now same people so i'm happy and my mum's a great mum so i'm happy don't really want don't need more mates don't need yeah another mum if that makes sense yeah which might sound so no, I think it's or... good. No, I think it's good, mate. I just think I think if 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 you like who you are and stuff like that, and you know, it is. Do you, do you, do you need to find out what would the reason for it? Yeah. You know, like I'm a bit of a, like a risk reward person. It's yeah. like they could be a multi multi millionaire. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything to me because yeah, yeah. the way I look at it straight away is my mum and my dad did a great job bringing me up, and for like someone at some point has probably made a tough decision but hopefully a good one yeah for the better so the reason for it 
their reason for it, yeah. So, like, you got to think, like, I'm 38, it's, it's different then, isn't it? Like, especially, like, my mum and dad going through yeah, that Yeah, because you're going through that identity crisis, and you don't really know who you are, dear, and you find out you're adopted, and then you kind of question your own identity, and you kind of go, who, yeah. who am I really? Well, pe- people say that, I, I, like, I'll be honest, I never, I'm quite good at compartmentalising stuff. Right. But the day after, I was actually okay about it, it was just, but it was more because my mum was upset. Yeah. So I can imagine it's probably way worse for her because I've been brought up well. I was lucky. It was a nice family yeah. life. And although they broke up, it's like, yeah, never had any issues growing up. We weren't well off or anything, but we weren't on the breadline. I was really lucky. So I counted myself lucky. That was the main kind of feeling. Yeah. Because um, I've got friends who'd grown up in care and stuff. And remember at that point, I didn't know that was adopted. <laughs> yeah so more empathy for that kind of thing and yeah yeah so so take t- me back to the running on the the, <laughs> the canal you go in two yeah. hours you go in three just longer because just again longer back longer. then i didn't even have a watch yeah didn't i remember mobile phones weren't even i did have a mobile phone but it was like a the, the biggest investment i made was remember like the old sony walkman yeah, yeah, phones i yeah. thought it was amazing because i could listen to my music <laughs> yeah, along yeah, the yeah. canal getting tangled up in all these bloody things and uh so what was the move from like kind of doing that into um you're reading more books thinking about um gates and cadence and just, all these things yeah that like, it was just all like <laughs> so all has that... anything been planned out for you uh, is it just no no like no, in, in short, the, the the next point, important point really was, I'm in Manchester, but I'm still going back to visit friends. My friend has a birthday party, a party. I meet a girl and we kind of have a chat or whatever, hit it off, but then I go back to Manchester, don't even know where she's from, I just know she's a friend of a friend. Then I get a random phone call midweek, she's out having a drink and um, I'm in bed because I'm in Manchester again. Don't know anyone, do I? And uh, and yeah, it was her, it was her, bit drunk, speaking to her. And then so we agreed to meet up the next time all our friends meet up. She'd got my friend number of a friend. At the time, she's in Leicester University. I'm in Manchester, but we hit it off. And so that, at that point, I decided to enter Leicester Half Marathon because if I Leicester, if I'm in Leicester. Then I have to stay there for the weekend. So we're talking like a real connection here. Or stalker, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I'd get away with it now, but yeah, yeah it's just like, yeah, just, it, I mean, you're young, aren't you? So yeah, I'm booking, I'll, I'll come to Leicester, telling her I'll come to Leicester to see you. Yeah. But, in, but again, part of you is like a lad, I'm not just going to go to Leicester. It's like, I have to enter the Leicester half marathon, never entered a race before. Basically, to try and impress her, I guess. I'm this runner. I'm entering the last half. Phew, quite impressed. I was getting beat by six-year-old guys, wasn't I? And I was in my football <laughs> kit, kind of thing. So, and I remember not hardly being able to walk back from the finish to the bus back to her kind of accommodation. But, but yeah, we like I stayed there for the full weekend. Then went back to Manchester, and like now we're married with two kids, so I can always tell this story. Yeah. Because I don't look, I don't look as much of a stalker. <laughs> Only did that once, and it paid off. And and but then it's, and again, she's in Leicester, I'm in Manchester, but within six months or a year, she was coming to visit me in Manchester more, yeah. just because Manchester was more fun. 
really. But we just took the decision to move back into her parents together. Which is in Leicester? No, no, she was only in Union Leicester. Oh, she right, lived okay. in, her mum and dad were in North Wales. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, not where I was from, but like 30 minutes out of Chester. So I'll be having a conversation about you straightening up and what your life is, what your profession is going to be at that point with her. No, I was still... Working in bars? Well, yeah, like I couldn't, there's no opportunity to be really like a hairdresser that I wanted to be back, back in North Wales, really. So yeah, it was a bit of a... Isn't it weird because like the, 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 the sort of Gary that I know um, is quite sort of strategical and plan things out and you know like you were back when you were little that you were like, oh, am I going to win this race have they two yeah. kind of got to do that but I, I thought you you actually planned all this out I thought no. there were milestones I thought there was no so so to give you a bit of an insight like I've got a mentor who like I he's in there because I can't plan stuff yeah right. if it was left up to me it'd just be wake up do whatever right. and 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 I'm still like that now. A little part of some people, I think, enjoy the chaos, I always think. Yeah. yeah. I don't want it all planned. But I also know that to grow, that I need some element of planning. Yeah. Plus, with running, obviously, then I'm falling into this world where planning equals, like, getting better. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going into that world. Like, within, again, it, but for me, it's always the game of things, I've realized. Like, for about five years another part of the story is like I fell into quite high stakes poker I was winning thousands of pounds and losing thousands a day yeah but the money it wasn't the money it was it was the game I wanted to win the game of poker basically and I got quite good at it so whether I was winning tournaments two three hundred five hundred when was this when I'd moved between the ages of probably 23 to 28 yeah and I was playing in pubs, or I play in a couple of clubs, or I play online. And it got to the point on online, I was like, literally, you could. It was a couple of thousand pounds a day, but could lose that as well. And because then, like, I've never been. What's your wife called? Like Charlotte. What's your wife called? Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. Um, so you were with her at the time when you were doing the poker. Yeah. What was she saying? Uh, well, it's just. It's. Just, I didn't really go into how much was winning and losing because. It didn't really matter. I was still working and everything. And that was, and we didn't really need any money. So it wasn't the money that was, was an issue really, but I could see that it was getting too much. I was spending too much time doing it basically. So one day I just stopped. Just like that? Yeah. Because I just thought it, otherwise there's no, because I enjoyed the game so, so much. So you didn't have like a slight addiction to it or anything? It, it yeah, did, it well, didn't. that's what I mean. It probably was. How did you just stop then? Just like... Because I thought, because I knew that if you just carry on, there was not going to be a good ending to it. It would just engulf you. Because, although, yeah, there's good days and bad days, but you can't just go like that. And were you, were you using the poker again as a runaway mechanism because you're not fi- you've not found your thing yet? Yeah, yeah, probably because... Something like to I pass say, I was the still time. Working, I was still working, and I was working in like a nightclub where I would start at 11 at night, finish at 4 in the morning, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And because the money was okay, and especially at that age, we didn't have any responsibilities or anything. The money was good enough for it to be. That was just my thing. But again, try and be a runner and do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no chance. So as the running starts to push up, and I start to throw myself more into that, it was like, right, well, something needs to just go. 
Yeah, well, it's not that I just made that decision. The, the poker was different. I made a distinct decision. I'm not going to do that again because there's no benefit really to it. So you're running in North Wales? Back now, yeah. So you're back, you're in North Wales and you're, you're basically more running in the mountains. Not at first, like that Leicester Half Marathon. I went from Leicester Half Marathon, did a marathon within a couple of months. And then I entered um, an ultra marathon because of the books I was reading and stuff. So the things that... So when someone says an ultra marathon, what, what sort of distance is that? Is that 50k upwards? Well, typically, you could technically say it's anything more than a marathon. Right, yeah. okay. But yeah, you, yeah, 50k. Like the one I entered was uh, about 56 miles, London to Brighton. Very old race, lots of history behind it. Um, and the only way into it was like via... Uh, like a an internet forum like an invitation send, kind of thing not an invitation it was just like facebook had started but it wasn't right. massive so now if you want to find a race you it's like social media really right back then it was weird forums with loads of old men and you just turn up to a field and hope that <laughs> it's a Other race people too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and there's not it's not yeah. like a dogging thing exactly yeah and you'd like turn it's, it's it's great that we're doing it i think because in my world then, I was in a different world. It was like this whole new culture of ultra running and stuff. And that first race was, it was just pure naivety. They like they sent a, a road book, they call it, through like what, a so map book. Up, up to that, have you just put yourself in it? What have you thought about leading up to it, the training that goes into doing that? Not necessarily. So this no. is a naivety bit where you've just yeah. gone and just thinking, oh, I'm going to give this I, a go. I mean, I've run a marathon and yeah. I've tried my best to follow like, loose plan i'd bought some marathon books by then and tried to follow a marathon plan yeah but again knowing what i now know now i wasn't so at least you're not thinking of coming a running coach at this point oh, you're no. just doing it just for the just yeah i mean part of it is again going back to the earlier things just proving that i was good at something maybe yeah 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 and there wasn't the football that i was essentially bang average at but had friends that were very good at yeah yeah I was never the top goal scorer, never the man of the match kind of thing, but I was just there and enjoyed that culture. Whereas running, no one I knew do it, did it. Never joined a running club, any of that. Just read the books, turned up to the more and more races. And and yeah, that I mean, like I never use that word addiction because I've got friends that have had addictions and stuff. Yeah. So I like I'd say I was obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Everything was running. I was reading books, watching what I could, entering what I could in forums, all that kind of stuff. So, and I and then what happens then is you're like my job that was like 11 p.m. till 4 a.m. at the time, that was paying okay. That becomes a like I just don't want to be there. It's a massive burden. Yeah. Plus, I'm not a single lad anymore. Yeah. Like. I'm basically in love with this girl. The thing again, it's not worth it. It's not that, I yeah. just don't want to be there. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not what I want to do. And then, but then you've got, I've spent X amount of time, not wasting my time, but it's not like I've got qualifications to fall back on. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it was, it was just a case of, I was doing too much really. And had an opportunity where like over one summer, I just said, right, just quit everything. And I spent that time going through some courses to get like a PT qualification to get into a gym. Uh, and that was 
when coaching and PTing and all that started. Yeah. But I never, even then, it wasn't that I was going to be a running coach. It was again like, like I'm put me in a group of people and I can be okay. So I knew that if I go into a gym, I could probably be, I could be a personal trainer. Yeah. Yeah. I could sell myself as one anyway. <laughs> same as I did with the hairdressing, same as I did in cocktail bars. So it was, to me, it was just another job at that point. But then that job would allow me to be a runner. Or just... Because the hours, you can sort of dictate your own hours. Exactly, and yeah. Kind of doing it, get into a bit of a yeah. routine. So when you can do yeah, and it was, and it's, it's, again, it was still a little bit, it's still ego-based, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm a personal trainer now, looks, yeah. to, it looks good, doesn't it, it's like, I'm not, I couldn't just get a normal job, like a normal person, yeah. for some reason, and earn my money nine to five, <laughs> and be a runner that way, yeah. had to be a bit different, yeah, uh, yeah. So, how long were you a personal trainer for then? Still, I'm on. <laughs> I don't know. You, you don't really class yourself as no. one, though, do you? But no. how, how long were you doing that Straight for? Straight away, before? I wasn't really a personal. Well, I was a personal trainer. That was I was self-employed in a in a gym chain. Yeah. And it was not a bad decision, but it was just wasn't for me because it's their uniform and everything. I have to be there. What yeah. what their personal trainer is, and again, I'm a nine stone runner going into personal training, plus. Yeah. The weekend, be no, sorry, two weeks before I went onto the gym floor, I broke both my elbows in a mountain race. Uh, so I'm in two slings. I've already paid my first month's rent at yeah, the gym. It don't look good that for the gym, does it? No. Well, would you go onto the gym floor? <laughs> Excuse me, can you train me? Well, would you go onto the gym floor no, as a PT? No. Yeah, so, so I did for about half an hour. Yeah, because remember, I paid. Yeah. Back then, it was like 600 quid I paid up front. About what zero clients, so I need to make six hundred quid before I make a pound. Yeah, so it was like I can't just sit on my ass for a month. Got in it, but quickly I realised. Well, what if I go to the cafe? <laughs> yeah, looks slightly less strange then. Plus everyone's speaking to me because I've got two broken arms. So by the end of a couple of weeks, going to the cafe and having conversations, I then had PT clients. Then I had one sling, and I could tell someone what to do. Yeah. And it was winging it to the nth degree, yeah. And the people that put their trust in me at that point, I'll be thankful for forever because, like, who hires a PT with no arms? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I just think, you know, they just seen something in you. Yeah, I was they? talking it's to It's nothing them. to do no, with what you look like or you what yeah, Why do people go to the gym? Yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't, don't want a beast in at the end of work. I was yeah. speaking to him in the cafe while all the PTs are going up to man's treadmill. Yeah. Excuse me, mate, you got a minute? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Earphones in. Yeah. Yeah. So I quite quickly got into that point of like, I need to make relationships almost. And yeah, part of it is because I need to get some money, but that was more interesting to me. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt someone on a treadmill or a cross trainer. It, doesn't, it didn't work for me. What could I have a conversation with your coffee? And then in three months' time, maybe you'll come back and, and work with me. And that's, that's how it was. How long was it like that for? Worked in that gym for about 18 months to the point where I'd filled my diary enough. But, but within three months, I thought, why am I paying all this money to this gym? Yeah, and the only people that were coming to me, or majority of the people that were coming to me were interested in running because I'm the nine stone PT. The guy, the PT next to me was a rugby league lad. So if you want to get big, who are you going to go to, me or him? 
Yeah. But it was quite good because it was me, him, and then four lads that were like, I'd call them like top soft PTs. So they're competing. If you want to get bigger and stronger, go to Rob. If you want to be a runner, come to me. And we worked well together, whereas the other four just competed with each other and didn't speak to us. Yeah. So we had this thing going, worked quite well. And again, I was just throwing everything I could into learning then because, again, school, like I said, I was just crap at. wasn't, it's not that I couldn't do it. It was just wasn't interested. Whereas the stuff now I was interested in. So the, the guy who was mentoring me at the time, he was literally, I, I can set a book, a textbook for an hour and it won't go in. And he, he was the first one that realized that. So again, I'll be thankful for him forever because he recorded, he spoke on like an MP4 player so I could listen to it. And it was before podcasts and things really, I think. So I was listening to the information, whether it was on the train or whatever. So I was just learning all the time, but it was his voice telling me the... Is he the same mentor that you've got now? No, no. So he was like, <coughs> PT, call him a PT mentor. Yeah. yeah. And he got me through all my qualifications and more. So after the 18 months, once you're there, is there a point where you look, I'm going to now leave? I just left. And... Yeah, handed the, and With an contract. idea of doing what? Well, that's it, because I thought, right, I'm going to do this outdoors, so I don't have to pay me 500 quid a month. So I'd already been saying to people... I'm going to be doing this outdoors. I'll have a kettlebell. But apart from that, I'll have nothing. And was that the birth of the house running club? Yeah, it was called Run Strong then. No, yeah. uh, sorry, it was called Gary House Runs. Yeah. Yeah. Just put up a website. How many, how many people did you have your first? Well, probably had about 30 people from the gym. Yeah. That's But I went down, dropped down to about 10 because obviously yeah, a yeah. lot of them want to stay in the gym. But, but yeah, that's when I realized, oh shit. I don't know anything about business. Yeah. yeah. Because although I hated the gym and what they were taking off me, like the people are there, aren't they? On a plate. <laughs> Can't go to a park and just yeah. get people. So I didn't know anything about business, marketing, any of this stuff. And that's when I kind of like things fell in line with the next mentor then. Like, what I've always been hopefully good at is if I see someone that I know that can help me, I'll I'll approach them and go like, what can we do? Yeah kind of thing and I remember I had a hundred quid in my bank account and I paid this guy Paul Moore 97 quid for a month. I know Paul, I think Paul's coming up, coming on the podcast. Yeah, so he's, he's, most, he's still my mentor Is now. he? Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, I've still worked with him. Yeah, so yeah, his yeah. business has evolved so much. He, back then, he used to be called the Boot Camp King. Right. And he ran like six, not six boot camps up in uh, South Shields. Yeah. So it's like, that's what I want to do but we're running. Yeah. He's doing it and he knows this. I was like, I'm a better coach than him. How is he? How is he? He's the best in the UK at doing this at yeah. the time. But he's also, um, like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's also like um, up and down himself. Yeah. yeah. He can tell his own story. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he just matched up personality wise a little bit. It's good. You need the opposite of, of who you are sometimes, don't you? Yeah. So, like, I've, I've, like, yeah. And it was, and it was like, yeah, it's the systems and things, but he was a success at doing it. So yeah. why wouldn't I want to learn from him? Yeah. And at that time, when you've got hundred quid in your bank account, you give someone hundred quid to tell you how to make more money. It's kind of oof, a bit scary, but but yeah, it was the best thing for my business that I did. Uh, so what were some of the things that Paul let you implement that changed 
things up for you? Well, the, a lot of it evolved around like the way he acted was completely different to when I'm in the gym and I've got like the, the DW badge on and stuff and I have to be professional yeah. and I'm not Mr. Professional. Yeah. Whereas he wasn't, he would swear and stuff like on our calls and stuff like this. So it's not that I would go out my way to swear or be offensive or anything. But you more yourself. But I was just myself. That. Yeah. So when I was coaching, I was myself and we had like from the start, we need to figure out who I want to work with, not the other way around and all this kind of stuff. And and how to build an email list and things like this. Like I've got an email list that's 10 years old now, which has grown and all that kind of thing. And it's and it's all all that now like pulls evolved as well and it's all like quite a lot of self-development but i still value that side of things yeah yeah as well so so yeah that's been it's been quite good and that's always been in the background so so from 10 people what well i had when you first started probably had even less probably had about eight people and two of them were close friends paying me hardly anything yeah and and then but because no one I knew was coming in, then all of a sudden I've probably got five people within that first month, yeah? Because the first couple of colds, and then if it's cold, no one turns up. If it's wet, yeah. they're not turning up. And I haven't got any cancellation policy. Yeah. And because I've gone outside, I've dropped, my ch I've gone to 20 quid an hour, but it takes me 30 minutes to get there. And it's like, just, I was doing nothing right. Yeah. But what it taught me was how to work hard at getting people, making relationships with people, being almost like relentless with everything that Paul was teaching me, email every single day. I had an email list of six people. It's like 8,000 people now. But when it was six people, I'm still doing it every day. And it's just putting the reps in that way. But when you shit at that stuff, only six people are seeing it. Yeah, It's like, if, like your first social media video when I first did that. It's like no one really saw it. And then... Yeah, just got to the point where th there was a turning point, actually. I went from doing one-to-one. -one, I'd never been a group trainer. Went from being one-to-one, -one and Paul said to me, do a workshop, do a free workshop. That was essentially like a lead magnet, yeah? Do a free workshop for everyone in the area that wants to come along. Get out with your flyers. And back then, there was no... And then Facebook marketing was just starting. We knew how, we were just trying things. Yeah. Got 50 people in this workshop in a field <laughs> yeah that's amazing and i was presenting this workshop to people, and i sold it as you don't have to run it's a running workshop there's no running we're not going anywhere it's 50 49 women turned up one guy that guy was a husband something like that and <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like and i had an audience i was a different person because by then i'd done a couple of years now of one-to-one -one stuff I'm one-to-one -one with people that I might not like, but I just had to take money, if I'm honest. Yeah. And it and th and they might have finished work and they've had a long day and they're draining life out of me. Yeah. Well, I've been out in the, like, <clears throat> it's minus five in North Wales winter. I can't cancel a session. So if they're not canceling, I'm turning up. And it's like a couple of winters of that and it's like, right, okay, something else needs to happen here. So that first point of doing a group one that was it, right, we, this needs to be a group thing. And I resisted it a little bit, but it was just obvious because the energy was better. So, and I totally get it why people want to be one-to-one. -one. Yeah. But for me, it was like, okay, let's turn this into a group thing. And that's when Run Strong, well, Gary, like House Running Club was born properly. Uh, because why am I doing eight hours a 
day trying to do that when I can do get them in a group a few nights a week, turned into a few mornings a week, turned into two locations, turned into three locations. I had my best friend, one of my best friends working for me, not for me, with me, yeah. taking sessions who had basically run with me for years. So we trusted him and they trusted him. And it was great. There was 180 members at one point in a <coughs> in a county paying me money, <clears throat> 50 or 60 quid a month. That's insane, that money. Where there's four running clubs with 100 members yeah. and it's free. And they used to hate me, but it's like, well, I'm doing something different here. And in the in the early days, I went to them. I was like, I'll come and do these workshops for free. I just want to speak to your members, that kind of stuff. And it was stonewall, stonewall, stonewall. And then, then I've got this running group. What are you doing alongside it personally then? Is, like, is Gary House starting winning races? Is Gary House getting his name out there for this, for this runner at this point? So, like the first, first ultramarathon I did, yeah. I remember, I, I had to look back at this, but I looked look back not that long ago and I was Just like, put that on the side, sorry, 70th or something, yeah, mm. which wasn't probably 150 people in it. So it's not like I was naturally just all of a sudden great. But again, reading more books, applying stuff, doing some courses with Vivo Barefoot, um, getting a coach myself, this kind of thing. Yeah? So then I went to a 24 hour race and I did it for charity like a local animal charity. Are you just running for 24 hours non-stop? Well, it's how far can you go in 24 hours? Yeah, a cross-country thing. They call it, it's different now, they call it the Thunder Run. And uh, so I turned up at this race, put my tent too far away from the start-finish line to basically use it. So I started, and uh, essentially no one really said that you could go in a tent or no one really said that you could have a break. So when it was raining and cold in the middle of the night, Charlotte just pulled up the car near the start finish and I got in, had a cup of tea and then carried on trudging right. through. And at the first, Charlotte was telling me what position I was in, but I didn't, but it's every 10K, so every hour, oh, no, no, more than that, she was telling me, I was like, right, stop telling me. Okay, because I just don't want to know. The morning came and she said, right, do you want to know where you are now? I said, okay, then. She said, you're in, you're in eighth place. And, be, and when you went, when... When it went dark, you were in like 40th place. Yeah, so I was like, oh my God, kind of thing, yeah. And I covered, remember I covered like 96 miles, but I could have covered more. But I said, I'm not going to do the 100 because then I know I'll come back. And I finished seventh in the end, which still wasn't amazing, but that was seventh place in a 24-hour ultramarathon. And that was the point where I thought, I'm going to be good at this, yeah. Is that the first time you've thought to yourself, I'm a runner? It's the first time I had a proper competitive, as in like, I can do this. I can, I can, be, I can still be better because <laughs> I'm still winging it. It's just pure naivety, and like just and and at that point, running a hundred miles was when you when you sorry mate when you had the, um, the run strong um, the Gary House to start off with yeah. like you're not classing yourself as a runner at that point. You are got. I'm just even though you are a runner, you've got imposter syndrome that you kind of. I mean, I am a runner then. I'm, I'm racing loads, yeah. yeah. But that when you're, <clears throat> it's not like you're running. There wasn't that many ultra marathons around at that point, so mm. you're running half marathons, marathons. And I'm not, well, I wasn't genetically gifted enough to be great at that. But when an ultra marathon came along and I entered it, I was better at it. Right. Yeah. So, like, you don't. 
I'm a big fan of that. You don't choose your sport, your sport chooses you, yeah? And that's the same within running. There's a reason why I don't play front row for Wales or I'm not a basketball player. There's a reason why I'm better at running. And within running, there's a reasons why I'm better at the very longer stuff or the mountain stuff compared to a 10K or a marathon. Yeah, so they're different sports. Again, you read in things like Born to Run and being good at or better at top 10 in this ultramarathon, that spurs you on. Well, I'm going to be better next time. I'm going to enter a different, another race. So what did you do after the 24-hour one then? After it? Yeah. I entered another one. <laughs> another 24-hour yeah. again? Well, you have to give yourself time, obviously. But How like, much the, time do you have to give yourself? Well, there's not that many opportunities back then. There is now, but it was a year. Right. So so then I do a couple more ultramarathons in between. And like to give you an idea, the next the next one, then I'm covering 120 miles and finishing second. Yeah, and that, that one was quite competitive. And then I do... I'd look, I'd, you get sponsors looking at you at this point? No, because it's there isn't in that. In 24-hour right. cross-country, there's not, not... Definitely not then. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I do... But, like, the, the UK ultra scene or culture then, it's like these long... It's quite... It's very niche. So these long-distance ones are, like, along the canal. So I did, like, a quite a famous one is... Um, Liverpool to Leeds Canal, and it's 135 miles. Did that in like 23 and a half hours. And back then, that was one of the fastest times. It's not now. Finished second again to this guy who like, held the record for ages. Any other year would have won. But to run 135 miles down the canal in like 23 and a half hours, that put me up there quite... Well, I'm obviously quite good at this. But it wasn't by accident. I, I was like, by now I'm putting everything into training yeah and and the, it wasn't a business then but I'm working on running yeah so so that that is my life then really again got no money really because I'm still early with that kind of stuff with the PT and things, yeah, yeah. just enough to get by but so but all my energy was being put into the running um yeah so those are and it was still run on naivety really like again I'm still learning, so I'm trying, like, I'm turning up to, then the next canal race, it's 140 miles long, but because I've read a certain article and book, I decided to try and do it just on nuts and seeds, yeah, no carbohydrates, no, and just do it on fats, so I'm, I'm a fat-adapted athlete now, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ran the first 50 miles, ran into, like, third place, and then start going a bit dizzy, gets a bit hot. I have an ice cream and a Mars bar out out of this little like basically tuck shop on the side of the canal, and then end up going white as a sheet. You can imagine with blood sugars. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in someone's garden throwing up white as a sheet, and I'm within ten minutes I'm in the back of a car, dead to the world. When is it? <laughs> when is it that um, people started looking at you for doing like sponsorship? Like, uh, what what's the watch brand called? Is it Coros? I was with Coros, not with them now. Yeah, they, they they've left the UK as in yeah yeah so yeah I'm supported by Montaigne but it's not like a sponsorship like you would think of like like a football sponsored yeah. by Nike they just, yeah just I built a relationship with them and and they supply me some kit and stuff and I'm happy with that there's some that have maybe turned down in the past because I'm just someone that like if I if I think something's good I'll wear it or but like with my shoes I like to have choice over the shoes and to to be honest to be bluntly honest i'm not at the level in the races that matter 
to be out and out sponsored. Yeah. Like this, like a Salomon athlete, say, yeah. yeah, they are a next level in mountain running. I would not, I would not be competing with them. Yeah. So, so that's never really been, it's nice. Like when someone offers you stuff, but yeah, it's, it's not. So the, the actual house running club now, um, what sort of members have you got then from someone doing a 5k route to doing an ultra, ultra yeah. marathon? Yeah, it's a real mix because when, again, going back to when I was just working like outdoor, I had to market it in a way that I only spoke to women that were overweight, trying to lose weight in their 30s. I had this whole niche down and that was my marketing thing. But it did evolve because then they start bringing husbands because the the, the wives are going and getting these results and, and it was a great group. Then it was like women and men. And it's like, well, I can't keep just speaking to women. And then... Yeah, it kind of evolved to the point where, and I never wanted to be, I wasn't running coaching by then, by the way. I wasn't writing training plans. I was just teaching the movement, bits of strength. And then at the end of it, we would go on a bit of a group run, that kind of thing. Yeah, but it wasn't, I wasn't a running coach, never asked to be a running coach. Because again, when I started doing it, there wasn't many of them. Yeah. Then a couple of people asked, can you help with a training plan, a friend or whatever? And I would then that person would tell another person. So at one point I'm helping 10 people with training plans essentially for free because... So the, the house running club has come out of a sort of need what other people have wanted, yeah. not you actually kind of deciding yeah, kind of. to kind of like, do that. If you'd have asked me 10 years ago, would you be working out of an office in your home as a running coach? Like, no, I want to be outdoors. I want to be with the people kind of thing. Yeah. yeah? But again, like your priorities change as well. So as I'm, like you get a young family and things. Yeah. And, I, and also, I know PTs and I know group PTs that are 40, 50. And you, if you're just doing that in your local area, like, where do you take that? Yeah, like, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? So there's always, I'm always looking to grow, but it comes back to that game thing. I was never really money motivated, but I either wanted more people, or I wanted it to be seen as a success. Yeah. Yeah, whether that was locally, my local thing, or like now with the house running club, I just want it to be, better all the time yeah and it keeps me interested so when i start to coach these people they're local people at first then i'm getting emails from people that have either seen me at a race or i start doing the odd talk or whatever can you help me and i'm saying no 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 and then i do help a couple of people but i'm literally having to write it out on a word document and send it to them and, <clears throat> and so then the starts happening then I've got like 150 people locally, but then I've got 20 people that I'm coaching essentially online. Virtually. Like via email, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then it goes to 25. <clears throat> but but again, it's very labor intensive that. So that has to be, well, one, I'm starting to charge a bit more for it, have a bit more confidence that I can charge more for it. But it's like, well, this carries on. That's, I can outweigh the local thing and then in, it might be six months, so it might be six years. I'm not going to be in these constant cycles of getting new people, local people in, spend the winter kind of out and about and all that kind of thing. It gives me an opportunity to grow. That's in line with as well social media, I guess. Yeah, and I was getting better at or learn, knowing that understanding that I have to be good at business and marketing in order to to have a chance really yeah because everybody mentioned your instagram and tiktok and just now 
informative but weird and funny you are at the same time you can you know you get a real good feeling of who you are yeah you know there's not this corporate sort of dw feel about it is you can just tell it is just you yeah and that's why people sign up to your programs oh, and yeah stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah and like the first video i ever did was a bit of a piss take video and i just put it in the group that i coached and someone dared me to put it on my facebook page and when you see your facebook page suddenly get 100 likes when it usually get two likes it's like well i'll put another video and then i'll put yeah. another video and like you look back at them and it's like the some weird, odd kind of the fast show kind of speaking to the thing, horrendous quality and all that. But but yeah, it was just fun. And 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 you'll know what it's like. It's like I would get a buzz from I'd put it out and I'd almost be excited and nervous to press the yeah, push yeah, yeah. and send it out. But I would still send it out. That didn't was never there's never been a video where I've not put out yeah. that way. Some of them will <laughs> nosedive. Some of them I'll get some some kind of like resistance against but what what was the reason um that you came to us and had a rebrand i don't think i've ever asked you that question uh so i've had run strong now for a few years it's yeah. called run strong yeah like locally everyone knew it was run strong we would go to races yeah. run strong kit in north wales everyone would know run strong really if i'm mm. honest and then what starts to happen is <laughs> uh other people start using run strong that's right yeah yeah. And I'm not saying that it's because they saw my run strong. Some yeah. of them definitely were because there's websites that literally ripped off my website, my quote and everything. Yeah. There's nothing you can, nothing I could do. And for years I was down the line of, I don't really care. Yeah. But then it gets to the point where it's so saturated. Like you only have to type the words into like Instagram or something. Yeah. And there's hundreds Anybody come up. Everybody hashtags. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just. And it just, like you said, like you, like I knew that you'd get out of me the fact that it just didn't fit with where I was going or what, what, what I was really. It just didn't really mean it. Runstrong, the name didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. The only reason it was Runstrong is I went to a strength workshop one day. It was called Strong. And I thought, that's a great name for a workshop. Go to that. I just stick running in front of it. Didn't mean anything more than that. Yeah. And like when I first started out, I had some advice. Don't use your name. Don't ever use your name. Because remember, it was Gary House Runs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the more I thought about it, it was like, I might just go back to Gary House Runs kind of thing. Because I'm getting, by now I'm doing some speaking gigs or I'm getting asked to do stuff that isn't necessarily my coaching. But it's like, how do I introduce you? Are you Gary Runstrong? I'm like, what? what? <laughs> Gary Runstrong? That's, so it was just, that's basically why. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't wasn't really the logo or anything although obviously i enjoyed that it was more the yeah. process of it and just almost give me a new yeah lisa like yeah, it's just, yeah like i mean it's just when you energy. it's when you did your merch mate and i could i saw you know you post on your insta stories and see all your your members start wearing the buffs yeah. and stuff and i'm just like that's what it's about yeah in it and it's and remember now it's evolved. So I've got this old group of the, the old members that like, even now I'll go for the odd run with them. And it's like, oh, can we call it Runner Strong or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. And it's funny because, and then they mix in with the new people that only have ever known House Running Club. Yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. it's good. It's, it's still just me at the end of the day, isn't it? Like, yeah. I'm, I, it's like a blessing and a bit of a curse. Whereas I do all of the coaching. Yeah. People join House, like I, I know people join House Running Club for me. It's yeah. not for the for any other reason so i have to do that 
So, so it, but it is nice when it's now house running club and it's not run strong because there's no other house running clubs. Yeah, right. But it was only when that change happened, yeah. it, it did it did give me a buzz and it gave me new energy kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's because, I mean, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but when I was at school, obviously we had houses in schools and when you ran for your house, you really power yeah. to be of that. So I, when we were talking about the brand and it's just like your name, it's in the name yeah. and you can't be anything else but yourself and everybody's kind of running for that house. And I was just like, this is just like, it just needs to be that. Yeah. So what what's what's next for House Running Club? What's next for Gary House? I don't know. Like you say, like, like you like you said, you just about flow, the planning you, don't thing. You? Yeah, you like flow. I've got zero, zero plan. Mm. Apart from, I love the game of, like priorities change like now like like you know that we've gone from like now my business supports the whole family like yeah. i've managed to be able to take my wife out of a job that she ended up hating and she just helps me a bit but that becomes different pressure then to just me earning some money for the weekend yeah. or whatever or going on a holiday yeah but i don't mind that i'll take that every day because i enjoy the game of like any anyone that's got a business and gone through like that pandemic and everything and yeah. arguably mine has grown then I should be able to get through anything, yeah? Like, one tomorrow I could wake up with, I would say to Charlotte, tomorrow I could wake up with, everyone could leave, yeah? But I'll still be able to build something again. <clears throat> I could just go out and go on a gym floor. I could go out and go to the park. So I've never got a massive worry about that, but I just want House Running Club to be better. So, more, like, not to be bigger necessarily, yeah. But but what we do inside of it, yeah. So like now Charlotte's like the accountability coach because I've not really heard of that before. That's good. So she runs the accountability side. Uh, like we have, like the talks that we do in our club now is more, I've had more confidence to do personal development stuff, talk more about the mindset stuff that me and Paul do. Yeah. Been doing that for seven years now. So I should be able to talk about it. Yeah. I think, I think I just, if it was, if it was up if to it me. If it was up for me, right. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of, you know, even if you're not into running, I just want people to follow your social media just to give them permission to be themselves and be weird and be stupid and what's yeah. it. You know, that, that's what I love about House Running Club the most. Yeah. That you can just like, just be a dick. And that's, and that's Don't be scared like of being a dick. Yeah. You and know. Like, it's great because I keep it quite private inside the group. Yeah. So it's no, like there's like the like the forum stuff and all that, the stuff that we share is private kind yeah. of thing. I don't really share their things because then they have more confidence to be more weird. Yeah. And yeah, we, if someone does really great in a race, amazing. They have the, they have need to have the confidence to share that just as much as the people that are having a shit time. Yeah. They have the confidence Agreed. as well. Yeah. Like quite a lot. I'll add on when I do our results, I'll list the results, but I'll also list the ones that DNF didn't finish. Because for me, that's real, is it? Like, I know running coaches, and you only ever see the wins. Same as it was a personal trainer, isn't it? Yeah. You see, you see the trans transformation, 10 transformations. You don't see the 100 yeah. <laughs> ones that didn't make it. Yeah. But in our group, it's quite good. Someone, they talk about their mental health. They'll tell when they've been depressed for a few weeks or whatever. And I don't even need to go in there a lot of the time. The others have lifted each other up or... That's what a proper brand is, mate. Yeah, and that's that kind of thing. And, and, I, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Like the accountability side, it's run on a different group. Charlotte runs it. I don't even have anything to do with it. Because yeah. if, if we're going to do this, 
I haven't got time. Yeah. But I do like just give me some good feedback or whatever. And and yeah, it's quite it's quite good like that. So if it, but if it was up to me, as in what's next? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. But like the creative stuff. If it was up to me, I would just make videos all day and do that as a runner group kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've like recently went and shot a video with a brand and everything. And like if I'm honest, it was crap. I'd have done a better job. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, don't, yeah. 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 And like doing what you guys do, that's what draws me to because I yeah. see you having fun on shoots or I see you. Yeah. Like it's part of it and being creative. Yeah. Like, I think too many people take themselves too seriously in this game. And, yeah. You know, well, in any game, really, they try doing these fancy promos and stuff, and there's no mm. personality or character to it. And I'm just like, you need yeah. to, people need to be doing this short little nuggets more and, you know, really expressing what your personality, your character is of your brand. Yeah. Um, and there's not many people. Well, I don't, I don't, I think it's the more scared to do it. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've got like a really good sense of, I don't give a fuck, as in not give a fuck about, you as a person, but I don't give a fuck about what you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll just be ourselves and, you know, that's really what I want to promote. A lot of it is, like I've seen it in personal training and in run coaching, people have that, people are scared to maybe, people only put stuff out there maybe if it's perfect or if they think that it can't, yeah. or if it's almost like a bit of advice that you can't really argue with, say, yeah. Yeah. Because it's safe. Yeah. And then, like I, I've helped coaches in the past, and then like they're worried about. Oh, I don't, I don't really know what to post. It's like, well, you need to do something else, then, mate. Because <laughs> I could post ten times a day if I didn't think everyone would just leave. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's like, well, you do know what to post. You need to stop trying to like. Back in PT days, it was. P PTs were only doing stuff to impress the other PTs, yeah. not to impress on you, my client. Yeah. That kind of thing. So I'm. If I'm putting videos out, some of it is just for me. Yeah. If it makes me laugh, it's going out. Yeah. The learning stuff isn't for me. But so if I think you don't I don't have to be the brainiest person in the world, don't have to be the biggest running coach expert in the world. I've got advice that someone that le knows less than me might be interested in knowing. Yeah. Agreed. Someone's been running for a month. Yeah. They will have things that they will be able to tell someone who's completely new. So you just start there. I don't have to tell them about stuff that I don't know about because it sounds yeah. better to the other coaches who are out there, if that makes sense. Yeah. All the advice that you've given stuff is just from your experience and what you've known. A lot it's of it, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And that's, to me, it's... And having that's an how opinion. It like, there's lots of opinions I've had within running that yeah. I get so much flack for. Yeah, yeah. It's when you boil down to it, what the advice is, like... People know me as this person that hates phone rolls and things. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. I've almost built up like a like I'll go to spoke to like the run, national running show. There's ten thousand people there, and they want to know why I don't like a phone roll. It's like, fuck. It's, honestly, <laughs> is that what they asked you? Sometimes you know. Oh yeah, or like when I'm on other podcasts, uh, tell me why I don't hate because they don't because they don't understand, do they? Yeah. But that's the thing that because I'll say that and back it up yeah and because people use foam rollers it gets to probably gets their backs up right yeah but i don't care if you use a fucking foam roller or not i'm just telling you yeah what my well it's more than my opinion when it's for some things yeah if like a lot of it is science-based and you can have a you can have a conversation with me 
but I'll have a conversation with you about it. Yeah. But yeah, honestly, some some people will latch onto those things and get really angry. You know what it's like. People get really angry when you think about it. We just talk about a phone roller, mate. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm able to hopefully like make that funny or at least what I find funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really take any of it too seriously. And some posts, I'll honestly, it's like poking a bear. It's like, I know that that'll get some certain people's back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, that Gary. So if anybody now is looking to get into a 5, 10K ultra marathon, how can people find you? What what would you say? Follow you on Instagram at Gary House. Yeah, a lot of the time. Because, yeah. What I try and do is, yeah, follow me on Instagram or whatever it is. But give it a few posts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You might catch me on a day where I'm either being a complete dick. Yeah. Or that I'm just dancing. Yeah. But out of 10 posts, I'll hopefully give you some good bits of information. Yeah. Uh, get on the email list because that's where I probably speak more. But a lot of it is, I wish more people would just get out and do it and try it themselves. Almost fail quite a bit and then come to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's good to start with a clean sheet and everything, but and it might not be me that you get on with as a coach. There's a there's a, <laughs> plenty of coaches out there now, but yeah, just get out there and do it to a point. But don't do it if you're not going to enjoy it. There's plenty of yeah. other sports out there. Everybody, just follow Gary House on Instagram. If you're not into running, just follow him because yeah. he's because he's meant. Yeah, Gary. Because I might not be running in ten years, and I'll need you to back me with someone else. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. All right, mate. Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs>